What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your earning power doesn't have to stop when you clock out of work. Today, you'll meet the side hustling mom who built a nanny agency in her spare time, eventually growing it to a multi six figure full time business with now 500 nannies across five different states. From twinkletoesnanny.com, Christy Bickmeyer, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I love this strategy of taking a fragmented, localized industry and then adding your layer of branding and professionalism to it. I mean, this is what uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK did in junk removal. This is what Belay Solutions has done in the virtual assistant space. This is what a handful of side hustle show guests have done online and offline. So stick around in this one to learn how Christy found her first customers, how she's scaled this thing into a full-time business with locations across multiple states, and the mistakes and challenges she faced along the way. Your listener-only bonus this week is a free list of 101 other service business ideas you might be able to apply Christie's model to. You can find that at sidehustlenation.com slash nanny, A-N-A-N-N-Y, or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. But Christy, let's start it off with the idea, the inspiration to get this thing off the ground. Why did this need to exist in the world? Well, it needed to exist because I had my first son in 2011. And at the time I had a corporate job, eight to five, Monday through Friday, weekends. um, And I was coming off my maternity leave. I needed someone to care for him. I didn't feel comfortable putting him in daycare at three months old. And I had worked as a nanny all through college, so I thought I wouldn't have any problem finding a good nanny. I knew what to look for. So I put out ads and did some interviews, and it was terrible. (laughs) I just (laughs) couldn't see myself leaving him with any of them. And so I thought, well, there have to be other moms having the same nightmare, you know, going back to work, not having a trusted place to leave their child. At the time, there was another nanny agency in town, and they were the traditional nanny placement agency. And that's what every other agency I've ever encountered is. And what that means is you pay this placement agency usually between $1,500 and $3,000 to get a nanny. All they do is interview the nanny, do the background check, and then they set up your interview. From there, you as the family pay the agency whatever that placement fee is, $1,500 to $3,000. Okay. And you have to come up with the contract with that nanny, pay the nanny, pay her payroll taxes, figure out what you're going to do when she wants a day off or she gets sick because there's no backup. You know, she's your only person. Yeah. And at the time, you know, we didn't have $2,000 to give to this agency. And the other thing was they only guaranteed that nanny for 90 days. So after 90 days, if she decides to move away or get a different job, we'd have to pay that fee all over again just to get a nanny and start all over. So that model didn't make sense from any perspective. As the parent, there wasn't a great guarantee for me, you know, that I would have a successful placement long-term. I also had no backup if she ever got sick or couldn't come in or whatever. So that didn't make sense. So I wanted to create something that was more of a network so that Nannies had support. Nannies had backup nannies that could fill in for them. I wanted something that was better for the families. So the way I structured it was these families, when they come to us, they don't pay anything up front. They can meet and interview, you know, 50 different nannies until they find the right person. From there, they pay the agency. The agency pays the nanny. 
And I've created also an online scheduling site so that nannies can go in and request days off. Other nannies can pick up those shifts and fill in for them. So it's more of a network and we are able to serve our families better that way. Yeah, so you're looking at an industry that you were already a part of, but there was opportunity. It was it was broken in your mind. Like, why are there these huge upfront fees? Why is there no backup? Why are people forced to go to work when they're sick? All of this stuff. And saying that there's got to be a better way. And saying, okay, I can create that, you know, if you, be the change you want to see in the world, all that stuff. Exactly. Yep. And so with that, Twinkle Toes Nanny is born. And it doesn't start with you going out and doing the nanny work. You're still trying to build, like you have hire other qualified nannies to go and fulfill this existing market need. Correct. I still had my corporate job when yeah, I started yeah, yeah. this. And so I just kind of started it on the side. You know, I subscribed to an online scheduling site. I paid a monthly fee. This was before I invented my own software and this was, you know, way before all of that. So I subscribed to that and I just started interviewing people. And my first customers were some of my friends and people that I had nannied for previously, who I wasn't any longer available to help because I had this corporate job now, but they still had young kids. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you need help? And they were so great. They said, yeah, we actually do need help. And the family that I mentioned before, they were two surgeons that I worked for and they had two kids when I worked for them, but they had just had a, a third okay. after I started the agency. So they needed help and they were so fantastic. I reached out to them and told them what I was doing and they said, come to the hospital and meet with us, bring some brochures. So I like real quick created, I'm no graphic designer, but <laughs> I got on like Microsoft Paint or something very basic, came up with a brochure, had it printed made it to the hospital and they introduced me to their HR director and she loved what I was doing because, you know, for her, it's like this solves a lot of her problems because she's got doctors who can't come to work because their nanny is sick. So they introduced me to someone at the hospital who sent out an email blast to all of the doctors at the hospital. Wow. Who And so then my phone started ringing off the hook. There was a pediatrician in town who was fantastic, who I met at a breast cancer walk for a good friend of mine. And she said, I love what you're doing. Email me your stuff and I'll email every pediatrician in town. So people were just so supportive and so willing to help me out because, you know, they're parents too. They see the value in this. And they were just really, really generous with supporting me. And that's that's how we got off the ground. And I was able to leave my terrible corporate job <laughs> after, I believe it was 18 months or two years after I started this, I was able to leave it. Yeah, this is what we would call the strategic partnership method of marketing, mm-hmm. trying to find, well, who are your target customers already doing business with in some sort of way? Like this HR director at the hospital makes total sense and, you know, getting blasted out to, uh, I mean, that's an amazing win early on. But we talked about that through a lot of different lenses, uh, either what what software does your target customer use and you have a non-competing but complimentary service that you can offer like, oh, could I host this free workshop for you? Right. And just a way to get in front of them in a one-to-many sort of way. So I think that's awesome. But you mentioned starting out interviewing nannies to try and fill the supply side of the business because you got to kind of play matchmaker on on both of those what was different then versus interviewing for your own need for your newborn versus like okay now I'm going to fill the need for twinkle toes nannies you said it was a hard time trying to find somebody qualified versus now I got to find a lot of people and I got to find them fast 
there really wasn't a difference. I still had to kiss a lot of frogs before I found really good (laughs) qualified nannies. As an aside, that's why this business exists because families try to do this on their own first. You know, nobody sets out going, I'm just going to hire someone and pay them money and get them to do it. Everyone thinks they can do it. Yeah. And then they realize like, man, it is just, it's tough out there. It's tough. And it's, you know, especially in the last 12 months, everyone's facing this in every industry. Finding workers is really, really tough, especially finding people you trust enough you know, to leave your children with. So the difference was I was motivated by, I wanted to get out of this corporate job. I had to work my very first Mother's Day. And that is what really lit the fire under me. I was like, I will not be here this time next year. I will never work another Mother's Day (laughs) when I've got kids, you know? So I was super motivated just to get out of my current situation. And Every waking moment, I mean, after work, on weekends, I was meeting people at coffee shops, I was holding interviews, I was holding group interviews, I was reaching out to colleges. I was a property manager at a student complex. This was the corporate job that I had. And so I was talking to every student that came in like, hey, do you need a a a side job? Like, how are you going to pay your rent? I've got a company for you. So (laughs) it was just, you know, nobody talked to me without hearing about Twinkle Toes, whether it was you know, from a nanny or looking for families, like everybody, they were probably like, shut up about Twinkle Toes already. Like (laughs) that was just, it was my obsession. Do you do flat rate pricing or does the nanny set the rate and you take a percentage on top of that? How does that stuff work? We have a starting rate and every market is a little bit different. You know, I'm in Gainesville, Florida, which is primarily a college town. So most of our nannies and babysitters are students. That's a very different market than, say, Atlanta, where you've got career nannies. You have some students, but you also have career nannies. So it's a little bit different. We do have a starting rate everywhere and each market determines their own. What's typical in Gainesville? Gainesville, the starting rate is seventeen to eighteen dollars an hour, depending on how many kids they have, and that's um, when I say that that's what the family pays the agency. Okay. And then there's a three to five dollar an hour spread from what they pay to what we pay the babysitters and nannies, and that you know goes to pay the nannies. It covers all of our overhead. It covers our management. I have employees. We do marketing. I've got software. Yeah, you know, yeah. There are expenses. And so it pays the nannies and then covers all of that. It's actually smaller than some other agency owners. It's way owners smaller. Have it. Yeah, sometimes it would be like, well, it's, it's 60-40. And it's like, well, geez, you know, three to five bucks is not quite that. We're like 80-20, but we do so much volume that it works. So you do have to meet a, a certain threshold, you know, in terms of volume in order to make it work. But it's just such a high demand for in-home childcare that we don't really have a problem meeting that volume at okay. any location. Do you remember how many nannies you needed to have placed or how many full-time nannies you needed to have placed to be able to to walk away and not and not be working that next Mother's Day? I do. I remember. I I had a few already and I sat down and did the math and I was like, okay, I need this many hours. I need nannies working this many hours because I need to bring in this dollar amount to meet my current salary. Or at least, I don't think I was meeting my salary, but I think it was like, all right, we can scrape by on this. And then I broke it down to how many families is that? And it came out to be seven full-time families. So that's what I needed. And so I started thinking like, all right, well, who who are the families that need a full-time nanny? Their their kids are under five because at five, you know, they're in kindergarten. They don't need full-time anymore. And this was seven incrementally on top of what you already had. On top of what I had. Yes, I needed seven more full-time families. So that means kids usually ages zero to three. 
So that's where I started. I talked to my OBGYN because, you know, a baby, a baby, a newborn baby is who really needs full-time care when that mom, her maternity leave ends usually after six to 12 weeks and then they need full-time care. So I talked to my OBGYN who I already had a relationship with. You know, he knew me, he trusted me, he took some of my brochures and then we became the agency that they referred to when pregnant moms would ask. So yeah, I just really targeted those newborn moms, the the newborn families and got those seven and I put in my notice and I (laughs) never looked back. I couldn't wait to get out of there. How many families was it in total at that point? Oh, at that point, I believe it was around 20. Some were full-time, some were part-time. Okay. Yeah, I guess, yeah, more based on if you're taking a fee on every hour work, it's more on the hours. Okay. But 20 in total, that seems reasonable. You know, I was worried you could be like, well, you know, is that 125 or something? It's like, okay, that's a lot. Oh, no. It's like, okay, it seems attainable. More with Christy in just a moment, including how she grew the business after quitting her job and what it was like to expand to new cities and states. But first, let me take a moment to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks. When you're building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there just aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting work on your own, you're probably spending time on tasks that you don't love. This is where FreshBooks comes in. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's a ton more time that you can spend nailing a client pitch, better serving your customers, or practicing your craft. From building, sending, and following up on invoices, to processing online payments, to automatically tracking your receipt data for easier expenses, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team is always available to answer questions. Give FreshBooks a try free for 30 days with no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. And let me know, what are you going to do with your extra 11 hours a week? And then it's off to the races. It becomes a full-time thing. And then, I mean, what else did you do to, to grow it from now that you have an extra 40, 50 hours a week to dedicate to it? Yeah, well, I did. Um, but by the time I left my job, I was pregnant with my second child. And I mean, I was driving like a 15-year-old car. We lived in this tiny 1,000 square foot house. We already had one baby. I mean, he was only 18 months old at the time. Had another one on the way. My husband had a job that didn't pay a ton. And I had just quit my job, my job that we also had our health insurance through. So it was like make it or break it time. So we ate rice and beans. And when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. Like we ate, like we just, we ate what we could afford to eat. I clipped coupons. I did marketing everywhere I could. I had a ton of door hangers made up and I walked around in the Florida heat pregnant, putting door hangers on the doors of the neighborhoods where I knew people had children and could afford nannies. My son was doing infant swim lessons and I talked to his swim instructor and she put us up on the website, on her website. And I mean, just anywhere I could go and get the name out, I did it. Like I said, you didn't talk to me without hearing about Twinkle Toes. Yeah, we see, we've heard this called like ramen profitability in the past. Like I'm making enough. It's it's touch and go some months, but we're making it work and we have this vision for what it could be. If we can just uh, get it to that point. Um, Right. Well, and we also did not want to go in debt to do this business. Yeah. We're we're big believers in, you know, living within your means and not taking out debt 
for something like this. And so I just, I refused to go into debt. We made it work. We made it happen. And it, it paid off. Talk to me about the next stage, this geographic expansion into different market areas. You say like, okay, look, everybody in Gainesville knows us now. So what's, what's next? You start setting your sights on other cities. Well, it didn't really happen like that. I didn't think I need to be elsewhere. You know, a few people had said to me, you should franchise this. This is a great idea. You know, you should do this other places. But I was so bogged down with being in the weeds of Gainesville, running the day-to-day operations of it. Like that wasn't even on my radar, really. My sister-in-law lived in Jacksonville and she and her husband were coming back from an 18-month long trip abroad and she needed a job. She wanted to do this. She had kind of followed uh, my success while she was overseas. Okay. And she came back and she said, you know, what if I open a Twinkle Toes here in Jacksonville? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So she and I partnered up. She opened in Jacksonville and that's how that one got started. And then the next one that opened shortly after was in Tampa. And that opened because I had a nanny in Gainesville who was so, so good. I mean, she was fantastic. She had been with me for a couple of years and she was moving to Tampa and I didn't want to lose her. She was just one of these people like, I have to keep you in my business somewhere. I So I started a Twinkle Toes Tampa just so she could go run it. Okay. I didn't want to lose her. So she opened up Tampa when she moved down there. You know, I, I'm the owner. She just managed it from day one. She got it up and running and she's still with me. This has been seven years ago now and she's still the manager there. And then from there, gosh, let's see, I had a few other people that I knew who were like, hey, I live, I live here and I want to open one up. And so we would work that out. And then eventually in 2017, we became an actual franchise. Like we went through, we jumped through all the hoops, we did all the legal stuff and we became a franchise. And even now with 20 locations, almost every franchise out there has been an organic growth situation where they come to me, they've either been a previous nanny at a location and then they moved somewhere else or they've been a family and they moved somewhere else and there was no twinkle toes. And so they thought, you know, this area needs a twinkle toes or like my, one of them, the one who owns uh, Boise in East Idaho, she was a manager in Jacksonville, moved back home to Boise and opened those locations. So it's all been people with previous experience with the company who loved it and moved and wanted to keep twinkle toes going. Yeah, and start spidering out to different parts of the country and everything else. Right. What was it like playing puppet master from, you know, the Twinkle Toes headquarters and now you're in all these different cities? Like, I'm thinking if I, my, my next business, I've always said would be like a pressure washing business just because I just <laughs> love doing it. It's like super satisfying. And it's like, okay, so I could start the pressure washing franchise or agency model. And it's like, one thing to, you know, send dispatch somebody to a house in the next neighborhood or, you know, if I'm not going to be physically there, it's just, it would be the same as dispatching them to a house in Atlanta or someplace else. I'm just trying to wrap my head around, like, do we limit ourselves geographically in that sense? I guess it really depends. So one of the big things about how this agency grows, because childcare is something that you really have to be trusted. You know, they need to know who you are. They need to trust you. I would say pressure washing is different because they don't care who comes out and pressure washes their house, you know, <laughs> but if it's, if it's childcare, they kind of do care. And so one of the ways that we grow when we start a new agency, let's say we open in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
one of the things that the owner or manager has to do is get involved in the community and do community events. So that's why we have on-site people in those different locations. I would not, from Gainesville, say, open in somewhere in Georgia and not have a footprint there, not have a connection to the community there, because I just, it's not going to grow the same. It's just not going to be the same because people, you know, they like local when it comes to to childcare and they like to know who you are and they go to a kid's event and they see you there. Yeah. So I would say that's, that's the main difference is just the community involvement that's required. Yeah. And so you need to have a representative Correct. on the ground who can go out and be that uh, cheerleader, who can be that advocate for the business um, right. in that local community. Okay. No, that does make sense. So why... And maybe help me understand, like, because it's, it's like you said, there's a lot of legal hoops to jump through to become an actual franchise and go that path versus just, you know, trying to manage it all under, I mean, it's still under the same umbrella, but I think, you know what I mean? Like versus, you know, keeping it all as a company location versus a franchise location. Well, that was one of the main struggles with, do we do it this way? Do I just own it? Like I did in Tampa. I still own Tampa. I just hired a manager to go do it. Or do I do like Jacksonville and have another owner, but they pay me royalty fees or whatever. Yeah, I landed on the franchise because there are no startup costs for me to go and open a new location somewhere. Well, there are, but they're very minimal. They're, you know, whatever I include in the franchise package, which is marketing materials, training, that kind of stuff. But that's almost like a one-time setup fee from my perspective. I've already got the design for the marketing stuff. The training, I've got down to a science. You know, the software is already built. I'm just teaching them how to use it. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm paying a manager, whether I've got money coming in or not, I'm paying that manager. I'm somehow having to manage that manager, which is very time consuming. I mean, if you're managing someone who's starting up a brand new business in another city, that's extremely time consuming. I learned that doing Tampa. It paid off and it's been a great fit, but it very easily could have gone the other way. And not to mention the, just the liability that's associated with it when you're the business owner versus when you're the franchisor. So if something goes wrong at our Atlanta location, they're going to want to call and talk to the owner. They're not going to want to call and talk to the franchisor. You know, they're going to, that's for the owner to figure out and to deal with. And so my hands were kind of full, to be honest, with dealing with Gainesville and Tampa. Yeah. That it just made more sense to do it this way. And I knew if I wanted to be nationwide, which I do, the only way to go about it really was as a franchise. You can't even, it's not even legal to do licensing agreements anymore, which is how I started out, uh, which is kind of like franchise light. You don't do everything to become a franchise, but you license your name and your logos and everything out. And that's, if you're making money off of that, legally, you're not allowed to do that. You have to be a franchise. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So my franchise attorney taught me that. And we quickly transitioned everyone from a licensee to a franchise, which is very heavily regulated. You know, it's it's got to be by the book. So we decided we were just going to, you know, make the initial investment and do it that way. How much did it cost if you're comfortable sharing? Yeah. The legal fees were about $20,000. That was just the franchise attorney drafting up the franchise disclosure documents, the franchise agreement, making sure everything was by the book. But prior to that, and what my franchise attorney told me was, this is the number one reason that people don't do a franchise. They could have a great business model, but this, this one step is what keeps people from becoming a franchise. You have to create 
a standard operating procedures manual. And that, I mean, that's like putting your brain on paper, you Mm -hmm. know, how do you, where do you even start with that? That is such a huge task. So I partnered with a local company. It's not around anymore. It was called Cross Linear. They were in Gainesville and they were kind of business coaches and they helped you do things like that. Like, let's create your SOP. Let's get everything on paper. We still use the one that I created with them in 2017. So once I had that manual done, I took it to my franchise attorney. She went through it, made a couple of edits, and then we were ready to go on to the $20,000 step of coming up with all of the franchise documents. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people listening, we love to geek out on the SOPs and the standard operating procedures. It's like, here's, here's the recipe. You know, how do I follow this? The checklists, all this stuff. So that makes total sense. And that's in this case, we don't have the brand recognition of a McDonald's or a Subway. And so people are really, they're not necessarily buying the name recognition because the name recognition doesn't exist yet on a national level, but they're buying into this training. They're buying into these standard operating procedures and they're buying into what this could hopefully eventually become down the road. Correct. All right. Anything else that is kind of a selling point for the, because I'm looking at TwinkleToes, Nanny.com, this is, you know, starting price or list price, 35000 for the franchise fee. And so included in that is this kind of like, you know, business in a box, set up package type of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So included in that is you get the SOP, you get the how-to, how to, how to run the business, the trademarked logos, the website, the training, you get marketing materials. So we we give everyone a starter pack so that you're not going, you're not paying the 35 grand and then you have to buy all your marketing materials on top of that. We give you business cards, we give you brochures, we give you direct mailers, and we give you a marketing plan that also includes a marketing professional who's not me. I'm kind of the operations professional, but a marketing professional who holds your hands for the first three months and actually has a weekly call with you. You have the marketing plan. She keeps you on track with that. It's a timeline marketing plan so that you can go, okay, it's week two. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be posting and sending out. And we provide all the posts and you know, every, it's, it's really a marketing kit that's ready to go. Because one thing I've learned is when you're in the weeds and your phone is ringing and you're trying to screen your nannies and interview them and match them with families, you forget about marketing. That's not something that is really on the top of everyone's list. And the next thing you know, you look up three months later, the phone has slowed down and you're like, crap, I got to do all this. I didn't do any of this marketing and now I'm trying to make up lost ground. So I think the marketing piece has really made the difference. Once we started doing that, that really has kept people on track and kept the momentum moving forward for them. Also included in that fee is the software, the proprietary software that I had developed. It's been, gosh, two years in the making now, but it includes scheduling. It is cloud-based, so it holds all of the nanny data, all of the family data. It communicates with the nannies in the family so that the, the owner isn't tied to their laptop or their phone, you know, sending files and updating the schedule and telling everyone what's going on. The site communicates directly to the families and the nannies. It also collects payments from the, from the families and it pays the nannies. So okay. when I first started, it was an, their timesheet was an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. This is what the nannies would email to me every week. And so you I'm there. Start like, lead. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm with a calculator. And then I'd have to go to QuickBooks and manually enter every single charge and then email it and then wait on them to pay me. So this way, it's all done through the website. The family's credit card is charged automatically, click of a button, and the money goes directly 
to the nannies. It's direct deposit once a week. I mean, it's just a really, really fast and seamless. And I feel like if you didn't do it the old way, which some of my people have been with me <laughs> long enough to have done it the old way, you don't appreciate the new yeah, way yeah, because yeah. it went from like a 10 hour a week task to literally 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. I love it so much. Do you ever get nannies or families who try to cut you out of the equation and say like, why am I, why am I paying this extra three to $5 an hour fee to this agency? Why don't, why don't we just work directly? Yes, of course we do. Of course we do. And you know, it's in the contract, it's in the nanny's contract that they're not allowed to do that. And it's in the family's contract, but you get some people who think they're smarter than the rest of us and they'll never get caught, you know, and we've definitely caught a few and, it's, you know, the penalty for that is written in the contract and we pursue that. We definitely hold them to it because, you know, sometimes I have franchisees who are like, I I know they're doing this, but I don't, I don't really want to, you know, cause any waves. I don't want to confront them about it. And I'm like, well, then why do you have a contract? We have a contract because we are protecting our business that we work very hard for. And if we don't enforce it, why do we have it? So, we definitely, I enforce it at Gaines, in Gainesville and Tampa. Yeah. And it's also, I, there have been a few times where that's happened. And then we get a call from the family a couple of months later going, hey, do you have anyone who can come today because my nanny didn't show up? Mm, and it's like, well, they come crying back. They come crying back. And of course, we're happy to help them. Like, we're, that's the number one goal is to help them and make them happy. So, of course, we do. But it's like, you know, there's benefits to being with the agency. The vast, vast majority of the families and the nannies get the benefits and they appreciate it and they're happy here. And, you know, this is where they want to be. I mean, I've got nannies who have been with me since we opened for 10 or 11 years. So, I mean, and they're just gold. I just, I love them. Yeah. There's there's always something to that. People fear that disintermediation thing. Like, oh, how do I, you know, cut out the platform? And I don't know. I don't know how much it happens versus how much people fear it happening, but I'm glad to hear you speak to that. What do you consider a full-time policeman in terms of hours per week? 30 or more hours per week. Okay. So now I'm trying to do some math on, so let's go to the high end uh, and say, you know, $5 an hour franchise fee or agency fee. So we're making 150 bucks a week as the agency owner, let's say times four weeks in a month, 600 bucks a month. And I'm just trying to reverse engineer, okay, well, how much is it going to take me to break even on this franchise fee? Or realistically, what could I expect to earn as, even if I'm starting an agency in a different niche, like with a similar model, like, okay. So just trying to back into that. And if I do times 12, so I'm at 7,000 a year. And so kind of like you said, you know, with a handful of families, you're erasing that franchise fee. And if you're doing it, Solo, you know, it's kind of off to the races at those projected numbers. So it's playing the marketing, but like you said, a lot of balls to keep in the air on the marketing side, on the hiring side. Do you have it set up just, you know, for Gainesville, Tampa, like as as the nannies are independent contractors, are they W-2 salary? How does that part work? They are independent. They truly are independent with the way that they use the software to set up their own schedule. The nannies choose which families they work for. They choose which hours they work for. We never, 
you know, assign a schedule to them, they're able to go on and play with their own schedule and, you know, make it work however they want it to work. And there are a lot of laws around that, around whether someone's an employee or an independent contractor. And we're very mindful of that. And we really, like, we really toe the line with that. We have a labor attorney who wrote all of our contracts and for nannies and for families to make sure that we're doing it by the book. We're definitely by the book with that. Like we do not assert any sort of control. We don't offer any training. We don't require uniforms. And like I said, you know, they can go and interview with the family and say, no, I'm not interested in them. Let's check out this other family. And so they truly are independent in how they're able to to work their own schedule. Okay. And then what kind of employment taxes or fees you have to pay on top of those, I guess, 1099 earnings, if any? None for employment, unless unless a specific state where we're open has different laws. I know in Florida, that's not the case. Each state is different. I'm familiar with Florida laws and there isn't anything on top of that. Okay. Anything that people might not think about in terms of overhead or insurance, or you mentioned liability a minute ago? Yeah. I mean, the liability is huge. That's probably our biggest expense next to cost of labor because we also, so in the, in the insurance world, there's a clause called the nanny clause for insurance and it protects against any wrongful acts by the nanny in the family's home. I didn't know that was a thing, but when I started shopping for insurance, so it's not just professional and general liability, it's a nanny clause also. And then we also offer non-owned auto coverage, which is it covers the people inside the vehicle if the nanny is using her car to drive the kids around and there's an accident. So that's and that's a very expensive piece as well. But we just feel like it's, you know, it's we're so exposed if the nanny is driving children around like we need to have some sort of coverage for that. Yeah, I got you. There's a lot of some other th- other things to be aware of and bake into your calculations there and work it to the margins. The thing about insurance that's great is that it, so you start off with a base rate, it grows as your revenue grows. So you'll end up, you know, with us in Gainesville being open for 11 years, we pay a lot more than we paid in year one, but it's proportionate to what our revenue is. So yes, it becomes more expensive every year, but we can also afford it because we're bringing in that much more money. We have that much more risk, which is why it's that much more expensive. Gotcha. So it's kind of a sliding scale Correct. on okay, right. how big the business is. Okay. Right. On the dispatching side of things, is mostly like the nannies and the families are kind of coordinating that amongst themselves and they're going to the same place every day instead of, you know, my, my pressure washing business or a house cleaning business where you know, it changes every day, sometimes multiple stops in a day. Well, we we have that too. I mean, and that's what we're talking about them being independent. A lot of my girls don't go to the same place every day. Okay, They just may have an open schedule. And so maybe they're on call that day and they go in when someone else calls in sick or, you know, we get a last minute request and they pick that up and go do that. So they could work for five different families in a week. Okay. And so the families would request that through your site or through, through the website. Okay. Correct. They could either they call the office and we could put in the request for them, or they could do it straight through their website. But yeah, I mean, we definitely have nannies that are all over the town, like working for different people, and which is another reason why it would be hard for them to be an employee because they're not the employee of the family because they could be working for multiple different families, and those families don't pay them directly. The families don't even pay the nannies, so they're not the employer. 
And then there's also a law, a tax law that states that if a nanny or a sitter, and it even extends to pet sitting, house sitting, elder care, or child care, if they work for an agency, which Twinkle Toes is obviously, and they are paid by a third party, then they are not the employee of that agency, as long as the agency doesn't have access to their money. Meaning if the family were to pay Twinkle Toes and that money goes in Twinkle Toes account, and then Twinkle Toes pays the nanny, potentially they could be our employee. We use a company called Companion Pay that offers that service. So the families, and this is the software integrates all of this. Okay. So the family pays the invoice, it goes to Companion Pay. Companion Pay then pays the nanny her portion and gives the agency their portion. Does that make sense? Okay. It's just and this is just a legal protection nuance of how it how it has to be Mm -hmm. divvied out right okay correct like i said we we are very by the book Uh, so if if there's a law like we follow it to the t no thanks for sharing that because i would have assumed yeah they pay you you pay the portion to the nanny and everybody's happy it's like the law is we can't ever have control of the nanny's money so we don't so we use this third-party system and we don't no that makes that makes sense thanks for sharing that Anything that's surprised you along the way? Oh, lots. <laughs> lots of things have surprised me. <laughs> people are surprising. I mean, I would say on both sides, you know, just demanding some people can be and unreasonable when it comes to childcare. And then on the other side, how gracious and understanding and supportive some people can be. I would say since COVID, I have seen a major shift in the attitudes of the families I've seen them be a lot more understanding with us, with the agency. If it's taking us, you know, three or four weeks to find them the right fit, I've seen them be a lot more understanding and like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, it's it's tough. You know, you don't want to send just anybody. This is a tough job. Yeah. We see how hard it is, you know. So I'm happy to have seen that shift, whereas before it was a lot more like, what do you mean you're not going to have anyone for six weeks? <laughs> what do you mean I've got to wait? And it's like, well... You know, a lot of people want us. I'm sorry. Like these people are in demand. Just blame the supply chain like everything else. (laughs) Yes. Like everything else. But, you know, it's, they've had such a great response, which is the best you can hope for. I mean, the economy is what it is. The labor force is what it is. Let's not be jerks about it to each other. You know, like let's try to be understanding, help each other out. We can send you a temporary person until we find you a permanent person. We try to offer those solutions. But I've been really happy to see just a lot of kindness and understanding on the parts of the families. Well, that's good to hear. I was afraid you were going to go the other direction, <laughs> like people being oh, I super, could. super Trust impatient. Me, I could. I'm like, why I is could. everything taking so long? I've thought about starting my own podcast, just about insane stories from every location. Every week I get a call from someone like, you are not going to believe what happened this week. I'm like, tell me. I got to write it down. Tell me what it is. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go ahead. Dish, dish some of the more memorable ones. Oh, gosh. Well, let's see. I had a dad one time come to the door with no pants on, mm. like came to let the nanny in with no pants on. So that was interesting. That was like within my first two years. I wasn't sure how to handle that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. We had a nanny fall asleep on the couch one time. Like, while she was supposed to be taking care of the kids, she just fell asleep. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just stuff like, what are you thinking? Like, how? No, you can't just fall asleep on the couch. Well, (laughs) 
I do have a book where I write all this stuff down, where I like just keep notes in case Hollywood ever comes calling. Yes, the crazy story, like what's the served or waiting? What's like the waiter's book or the, I swear there's a flight attendant one too, you know, just crazy stories from. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, but (laughs) scary. When you're dealing with that volume of people and variables, like yes, crazy stuff is bound to happen, I'm sure. Yeah, I had one dad one time who, and I don't know if this is funny or sad, but he had toddler twins. He said it was, he told me it was the nanny's job to make his twins into geniuses. He said, geniuses are made, not born. And he had a a whole curriculum. Now they were 18 months old. He had a whole curriculum. They had maps on the walls. Like he wanted them learning geography. He wanted them learning instruments at 18 months old. Yeah, no pressure. (laughs) Right. No pressure. And no nanny wanted that job. I mean, I must have sent him 50 people and every nanny left there going, no, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Like, Yeah, there's no, no way you like, can live up to expectations. No, no. And the kids were miserable. I mean, inside, like learning maps all day when you're 18 months old, like that's just miserable. So stuff like that. We've had some insane like parent expectations and it's just like... Maybe we're not the best fit. I don't know. I just do you, or do you <laughs> bid the job just at like you know double the standard hourly rate or something like to well, try? Well, that's and- the funny thing. The people it has been my experience that the people who have those expectations are also not willing to pay for those expectations. They want like the bargain basement price, but they want their kids made into geniuses. Yeah, it's like that's pick one. We're not doing both. Yeah, we, I would do the same thing, you know, outbidding paint jobs in college. And, you know, you get the sense this is going to be, this is going to be a problem customer. And so you just, you know, tack on a little pain in the butt fee to the bid. And okay, you're not, right. you're not heartbroken if they say, you know, no thanks. Right. And if they take it, at least it'll be worth your time. At least it'll hopefully be worth the time. Knock on wood for that. Yeah. Well, Christy, this has been awesome. I appreciate you sharing kind of the ins and outs of this offline agency model. Where are you taking this thing? What's next for you and Twinkle Toes? Oh, I've got a I've got a hit list of cities I want to be in, states I want to be in. You know, we're just we're trying to get into those different markets. We're open to almost any market. There are some states whose laws are just a little bit too <laughs> restrictive, so we probably won't be there, but I want to go nationwide. I think this is a great it's a great business model, but it's such a great service for parents especially right now with everything that's going on and more and more people working from home on a permanent basis now. It's just such a great service that we can offer to them. So um, more locations is the goal. Yeah. Were there other local players in different cities, states doing what you do without that big upfront placement fee? Or is this kind of a unique, unique angle on it? Yeah, I've only heard of one other one. They're also a franchise, but they're not in any of the states that we're in that I'm aware of. They're kind of more in the Midwest, and we're not really out there yet, except for Idaho. They're the only ones that I've heard of. Okay. Everyone else does this placement fee thing. Yeah, they're like, we, we don't know how long this person is going to stick around, so we want to get our cash up front. And right. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, TwinkletoesNanny.com is where you can find more about Christy and the business over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. If you've got a great idea and you believe in it, to just go after it, make it happen, quit your job, live on rice and beans if you have to, but absolutely make it happen. Make it your obsession and make it happen. 
Absolutely. Just go after it. Well, Christy, this has been awesome. Again, twinkletoesnanny.com. Check it out over there. Just a few takeaways from me before we wrap up. Number one is to start with this pain point. Christy, you mentioned having this newborn son, trying to find some qualified help. Oh, these existing nanny agencies are going to charge an arm and a leg and only guarantee three months worth of coverage. Like, I don't know if that's a great trade-off. We had... Uh, well, we have this like arched window in our bedroom. And now that the sun rises super early, it's like five in the morning, blaring in. We're like, there's got to be a way. So I end up getting a quote for some arched window blind company. And it came back $2,000. And I was like, well, so just to clarify, right, this is one window. It's about three feet wide. And they're like, yes, $2,000. You, you, you read that correctly. I was like, Okay, well, this so it just made me want to start a business to like undercut these people and like <laughs> there's got to how much margin is this, is in this thing. So starting with that pain point, I like how you mentioned just trying to scale from the start. Like yes, you had this nanny experience, but in this case, it wasn't about you doing the work. It wasn't about trading time for money. It was about this bigger vision, this better leverage from the outset. So I like that, and I also really liked your uh, focus on strategic partnerships with the HR department at the hospital, with your OBGYN, with, you know, just finding where these target customers were already doing business, where they were already hanging out, getting in front of customers that way. We've got whole episodes on strategic partnerships, online, offline, fantastic way to go. If you like this model, make sure to download your free listener bonus for this episode. It's 101 other service business ideas that you might be able to apply the same strategies to. You'll find that at sidehustlenation.com slash nanny, along with uh, the full text summary and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode. Once again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash nanny, N-A-N-N-Y, or just follow the show notes link in the episode description of your podcast player app. For another example of this offline agency model in action, this kind of local drop servicing model, check out episode 438 with Anthony and Janilka Hartzog from Maids to Match. They break down how they grew their residential cleaning business to multi-six figures in revenue, and I know they've blown up even more since we recorded in a really short period of time. Uh, You can scroll down to episode 438 in your podcast app to find that one. But big thanks to Christy for sharing her insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Now's the time to get your books in order to get this accurate picture of your profitability and make tax time a breeze. You can start your 30-day free trial of FreshBooks at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the greatest compliment is to go out there and share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.